0: Hello, good evening, and welcome back to another edition of The Social Club. Hello, and welcome back to another live edition of The Chronicles of Aguna. It's The Social Club, the show where we try and talk a little bit more about general football topics we always end up coming back to arsenal that's just the way it is and i'm sure we will do tonight as well we're going to be reacting some more to the north london derby of course we released the podcast uh, earlier this morning in which i basically had a rant for about 50 minutes or so so yeah I, i'm not going to apologize for that it was one of those kind of afternoons. But on the Social Club this evening, as well as reacting to the North London derby, we're going to be discussing the big news uh, coming out today in regards to Manchester City and their European ban, which has actually now been overturned by the Court of Arbitration for Sport. I'm joined uh, by an excellent panel as usual. Uh, Before I introduce the two usual suspects, I want to say a big hello uh, to JT. Joins us, uh, Man City man, football writer and a great friend as well. JT, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. It's always great speaking to someone who supports a Manchester-based club and they've actually got the accent for it because, you know, we've got a lot of them in London here that pretend uh, Alavi, who you're going to see on your screens in a moment. He he used to be a Man United fan. He's one of them, Uh, but there we go. Right, uh, also joining me, the two usual suspects, Simon Alavi. How are you doing, mate? Welcome back. You good? Not bad, mate. Not bad. He, 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 any opportunity to get those muscles on camera. There he goes. <laughs> there he, goes. <laughs> he knows exactly what he's doing. And fresh from the barbers, it seems, is Mister Dan Deluca. Are those slits in your eyebrows
1: incredible? No, they're, they're my normal eyebrows.
0: Oh, <laughs> it looks quite cool.
1: I've just got, I've just got big, bushy, inconsistent eyebrows. <laughs> it, does look, it looks a bit slitty, but it's not. I wouldn't it's do that not. deliberately, obviously. Obviously, <laughs>
0: welcome back to the show, mate. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm very good. Been worse. Good, good. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, he's going to rub it in a bit. But remember what channel you're on, mate. When you uh, start later on, right? Let's start off with the big news uh, from today. Of course, Manchester City's European ban has been overturned. Uh, they were found guilty of not cooperating with UEFA, um, but they've obviously presented enough evidence to get off of the hook, shall we say. JT, was you worried about this? Was you worried that actually they were going to have to deal with a two-year ban and that may have a real impact on a number of issues at Manchester City?
2: Uh, no, I wasn't worried about it in, in the slightest way just because of how confident I am in the owners that we have at, at City, the Caldoun, the uh, chairman. He you know, always speaks so confidently and eloquently about everything going on at the club. So... Uh, No, I was worried about it in the slightest. I expected this outcome. Um, You know, a fine of £10 million cut down from £30 million is not much, really, for City. So uh, that's a really good boost for the club. And I know fans are very happy with it as well. So no, I wasn't worried about it at all, really, but happy with the outcome. What about the whole, you know... There's been
0: a lot of talk about what Pep Guardiola's future may look like, and there's been players like Kevin De Bruyne who have made no secret of the fact that they may have considered moving away had Manchester City been forced to serve this ban. Does it come as much of a relief from a football
2: inside as it does from a sort of business financial side? I would say so, yeah, because if, if they did have to get banned for the Champions League for a year or two, it's completely understandable players like De Bruyne, Sterling, whoever else would want to, maybe look away or at least think about looking away from the club to uh, get into the Champions League at some stage because, you know, they're top-level players. The Champions League is a top-level uh, competition for the best players, so obviously they're going to want to be playing in it. So, uh, yeah, I suppose that could have been a possibility, but, um, you know, that's not how things have have gone. So, thankfully, we should be expecting to see them stay at the club from, from now on. Alavi, there would have been a lot of clubs sort of Uh, getting a little bit ahead
0: of themselves in terms of thinking Manchester City were going to have to deal with this ban and that they may be able to sneak into European competition as a result. What was your feelings on this? I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but were you convinced that UEFA had gone so far with this that actually they had to make it stick?
3: Uh, Yeah, I I can't lie. I actually thought, I'm actually quite surprised. I actually thought they went quite far. So, um, and I think Uh, what JT's saying is true for certain players. So you look at some teams and it's their primary focus to win the league. So Liverpool were one. I actually think City or the fans would much prefer them to win the Champions League, just the same as the players. You've got a lot of players there. Kevin De Bruyne is one, as you mentioned, Sterling's another. But it's also the players that they can attract. So, you know, you look around who they're, who, they could potentially now sign. They're, they're looking at the um, who's a Bayern Munich player, David Alaba. Um, Aguero is probably on his way out. Alaba is someone who can cover defensively as well. And they're probably going to need another striker. So I don't think it's just from a financial perspective because 10 million, 20 million, 30 million for City is nothing. It's actually the fact that he's he's now got that money to go into a transfer market and go, I've got 150 million uh, on what that... Uh, the kid's name from Real Sociedad's been mentioned. He was initially linked with um, with West Ham, um, so I think you're going to see three, four signings. I was checking the uh, betting today as well, and City have already jumped to more than more than evens for next year for the for the um, for Premier League alone. They'll probably be favourites for the Champions League as well. So it makes a big, big, big difference. And Kevin De Bruyne, especially, it's someone who um, initially was perhaps. Looking to consider leaving uh, City, I think now he'll put pen to paper. Maybe stay till 2023, 2024. Bar Van Dyke is probably still the best player in the league. So at twenty nine years old, you want someone like him, him to stay. You look at Carl Walker, Edison, Silva, Laporte, Hezars. Um, if you count, you know, um has probably gone after next year. It's a very good spine. So you had that money, and I have to put them favourites again. Um, it's huge. I know people will be an uproar about it. If you look at where they are now in the in the FA Cup as well, um resuming Champions League on the 7th of August.
0: It's not a bad time to be a City fan. I think today. JT City could end up, and I'm, I'm coming to you first because when I go to Deluca, I know I'll be opening a oh, can of worms. Uh, so I'm coming to you first on this. He, look at him, he grinning. He knows. um in terms of, uh, of this season, uh, now a lot of people have, have made a big song and dance about the fact that Liverpool are so far clear um, and that they've obviously won the league, etc. But this could still turn out to be a fantastic season for Manchester City if they were to win, whether well, the, they've got the League Cup wrapped up, the FA Cup and the Premier League.
2: Would you say that City would have had a better season than Liverpool? Uh, with those two trophies in the in the bag come the end of the season, I'd say definitely, yeah. Definitely, um, the Premier League record uh, for this season hasn't been great. Uh, And I'd put that down to consistency, really, of team performances and then individual performances. Uh, Consistency is something that has been pretty much there, bang on, for the past two seasons, when uh, they just won the league quite easily, really. Uh, But yeah, if, if City could get the FA Cup and then at least to the Champions League final this season, I think that would be an excellent season, really, without taking too much away from Liverpool, you know, because no City fan's going to be happy with the way Liverpool have gone on with their season and how far behind City fell behind them. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot riding on them two competitions that have been mentioned throughout. So hopefully they can get as far as they can through that and then try and salvage what they can of this season and then focus on improving the Premier League record for next season.
0: Absolutely. De Luca, you're not a fan of Pep Guardiola and I suspect you've got some strong words to say about the outcome of this uh, investigation. What's your take on the whole
1: topic? So to start with, it's not Manchester City's fans fault. I don't, I don't blame Manchester City fans. You know, I just find the whole situation farcical. I find it frustrating and I just find it, it's just been a waste of everyone's time. What what was the point? What, What was the point in the last, in the last five months of nonsense? But there's no one who's going to convince me Manchester City haven't broken a rule of some sort of some sort they've still been given a fine so they've not been exonerated completely of all sins they've basically had their they've had they've had the punishment decreased in terms of in terms of severity and you find this this happens historically in football we always see things get overturned you see like Chelsea had their transfer ban reduced by a window like years ago Tottenham had like points deductions they've been overturned and I'm starting to wonder what what is financial fair play what is the point with it just to go back to Alavi's point like I don't think it would have been that severe for City if they were if they were kicked out of Europe in terms of players City were able to attract players long before they were in the Champions League with the amount of money they could throw around and I think there's enough um you know Chelsea have been able to sign players when they've missed out on the Champions League so just because they're banned it's no different to a team not qualifying for a season. If you've got that big draw, you've got that big money, you'll still be able to bring players in of a certain quality. And they do need some players, but they don't need much. They should be able to find what they need. <clears throat> but you've got to look at UEFA. What what have UEFA done? I, I, don't, I don't understand how they can get themselves into this position where they've gone after a club quite clearly to make an example of them. They know something's wrong and they can't present the evidence so that it, it holds up. I just find it a farce. And you've got to question whether UEFA, a, a, UEFA is a governing body. The position's untenable. I just don't see how Manchester City and, and UEFA can ever get along harmoniously. It's, it's just a ridiculous situation where they've put everything on the table. They're a terrible organisation anyway, UEFA. And they've, they've, gone, they've gone in all, on, all in on this to try and protect the integrity of the sport, which is a sport they've kind of ruined enough times themselves. And they've not been able to make it stick. And you have to wonder how they can get it so badly wrong. Just reading the full statement from Cass isn't coming out till next week, is it? But you're just reading through some of the bits and they're saying they're going to, they're saying things like, you know, some of the, some of the um, allegations are time, are time barred quote. So how long have they been messing around with this UEFA? Like how hard is it to, to take a football club's accounts and really scrutinise them? Because, You know, we we, we know where the money's coming from. It wasn't there before. The, the, The sums of money are extremely vast. Yeah, they'll have some big sponsorship deals. Yeah, of course, they'll be generating some revenue. But there's no way whatsoever, in my mind, that Manchester City are completely cleaning this. I think the evidence, just the evidence we have suggests that they have violated the rule. So where does it leave it? What's the point of financial fair play? What does it do? Because all it does to me, financial fair play at the minute, is it stops anyone else breaking into that elite. If you've got clubs like Chelsea and Manchester City who have crushed the top tiers of English football with, with respect to... I've got a lot of respect for Man City as a football club. I've got no respect for Chelsea at all as a football club, but that's a personal choice. But they've bought their way into the club, and since financial fair play comes in, you're essentially saying, well, no one else can now join it, unless you're already in it. You're going to have to, you know, produce some kind of miracle, which which clubs are obviously struggling to do and sustain. And then they try to they try to make a statement UEFA and they get it this badly wrong. I just I just find it baffling. I really do. I find it they're, absolutely. But
3: there's still they still an admission that they're wrong. That's the irony, isn't it? No, but the it's like ed- you're still wrong. But we
1: no,
0: <coughs> hold on. What Manchester? That's City, the bit I don't get. Correct me if I'm wrong, JT. Haven't Manchester City been found guilty of just not cooperating with UEFA?
2: Yeah, that's what I believe the fine is for. So how how you get a fine of thirty million pounds for not cooperating, and then take that down to ten million pounds is is quite strange. So, anyway. I think
3: that's just a crowd pleaser. Like we've got to find them something to just keep people happy. I don't know. I, I, I,
1: it comes. It, it, come it, it sure. comes down to it's, it's a poor audit. It's it, it's poor auditing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They've sent people in. Money, money, money talks. City. doesn't it? That, you know that. Tw- yeah. You know that. That twenty million that's been saved has probably been donated somewhere else. In you know in the form yeah, of exactly. Yeah. You know, but but that's that's not the point. It's up to, it's up to Manchester City how they do business. My 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 issue is not with Manchester City here. Manchester City have broken a the rule. There's there's no difference in in a way they can break a rule off the pitch. Teams break rules on the pitch. They've broken a the rule. That's their prerogative. It's up to the governing bodies to implement those rules properly. When I get annoyed at referees, when I get annoyed at VAR, when I get annoyed at players diving, it, at the end of the day, it, it, if a player wants to dive, that's up to the player, isn't it? And you rely on the authorities to use the tools available to, to punish them for that. Manchester City have broken the rule. They've not cooperated for a reason. You know, it would have been a lot cheaper and easier for Manchester City to to hide a away, and I think despite all the bravado from Pep Guardiola and press conferences they would have been quietly quietly concerned that that they were in trouble here and Kaz obviously haven't got enough evidence beyond reasonable doubt and that's UEFA's fault that sits firmly at UEFA's door for me they've been looking at this for five years if they didn't have enough to, to convict Manchester City they should have found it or they should have shut up Yeah, agreed.
0: And then maybe Manchester City could make a donation to De Luca to put the lights on. Uh, You know, he's clearly clearly (laughs) struggling. (laughs) For legal reasons,
3: (laughs) Dan De Luca's views do
1: not mirror those of Chronicles (laughs) of if You you look at UEFA as an organisation. They're they're a terrible organisation. They are, aren't they? They are. And there's there's corruption all over football, all over UEFA, the one time they've decided that they're gonna they're gonna take the moral high ground and they've been embarrassingly defeated. You're talking about an organization that has two tournaments to manage, they've ruined one to the point where no one even wants to play in it. That's that's what we're talking about. Like like there's literally there's teams trying not to qualify for the UEFA League, the Europa League. We'll talk about one of those later. Right? They're trying their hardest not to be in it. When they get <laughs> When they get in it, they you know they try their best and get knocked out. Then when they get to the final, they've got to fly to like a city that's not even in Europe. They ruined the they ruined the Europe the European Championship to so, the point so where basically did... to,
0: to to summarize, you
1: don't like UEFA.
0: I just basically. think they're not
1: fit for purpose anymore as a governing body. They can't be.
0: <laughs> J- JT, you let me been... let me just bring JT in because I know he's short of time as well. JT, in terms of this whole process do you feel like as a Manchester City fan that UEFA have been on, on almost a witch hunt for you guys? Is that how it feels? And are you relieved then to see that, that the ban has not been upheld?
2: It did feel like a witch hunt for, uh, for a while. When the original uh, ban was announced that they could be facing in two years out, it did feel like, right, this is them showing all their cards now. And then this is what they're going to do. But uh, um. I am glad it's over. I'm glad that the fans have something to shout about, and they feel like they've got one over on UEFA, which I feel like they feel is more important than actually playing in the competition. It's just about beating UEFA, which is a bit, you know, for debate on whether that's right or not. But yeah, it, I am glad for it to be over. If hopefully, if we can, like, I say, if we win it this season, then who knows what could happen for next season or whenever. So yeah, I am actually glad it's it's all done now.
1: Brilliant, hey, JJ. On, JT, on, just then. one can ask him a quick question before he goes.
2: Go for it. Are go you on.
1: not gonna be really suspicious of like UEFA and match officials and video officials for the next year or two?
2: I already am, so there's gonna be no change there. Fair
1: there answer. Are. JT, would you take would you Sorry. take
3: can I just is does every City fan put the Champions League above the league right now?
2: Maybe right now, because then they could say it's something similar to what Liverpool have done. Yeah. Okay. So they've won it. So we need okay. to win something that you know they've won last year. So that's, yeah. that's sort of keeping yeah, them on yeah. level, really.
0: Yeah, Great yeah, stuff. Enough. JT, thank you so much, mate. I know you're short of time. How can people uh, give you a follow on, on Twitter and on all the social media platforms and keep up to date with your excellent work?
2: Uh, yeah, my Twitter name is at James16Thompson. That's where I usually do most of my stuff online.
0: Brilliant. And uh, JT's a colleague of mine. He's a great friend as well. Check him out. Give him a follow. And I'm sure you won't be disappointed. So, uh, JT, thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate it. No worries. Cheers, guys. See you later. See you, mate. Brilliant stuff. That was JT giving us a Manchester City (coughs) perspective on the big news. Uh, that come out today but let's turn our attentions now to the north london derby we can see it in the comments everybody's waiting for it uh winston says good evening harry omar good evening harry uh tawana thongola says good evening guys uh tova says Ho- hope i didn't miss much hey chat and lads yeah i, I hope i didn't miss much let's, let's take it up to there <laughs> um Archangel actually says anything that they win will always be tainted. They'll always be man cheaty to me. Um, (laughs) uh, And he also goes on to say, yeah, let's talk about us. So it's time to talk about the North London derby. Um, De Luca, I I don't want you to be smug here. Yeah, let's let's have an honest, I'm I'm never never smug. Never, are you? No. Let's have an open, honest and frank debate. And I'm going to start this debate. By bringing in Alavi, because he made a comment in our... WhatsApp oh, hold on. DDL have
3: to, has to take it constantly on his channel. Twice a year you play in the league and he can't be a little bit smart. We don't even win twice a year either. Maybe one.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to what anyway. I was saying. So, Alavi, you said something in our WhatsApp group earlier on and mm. it just got my back up. And it got my back up because I've heard it from a few people today and it's really pissed me off. And you said Mourinho deserves a lot of credit for what he done yesterday. Do you want to explain why? Well, no, I said he hasn't got enough credit.
3: Okay, so why? I just think that because I think that the way he sets out is if he sets out that way and loses, he will be constantly vilified. The fact that he did it and the fact that he made um, Bellerin and Tierney play the way he did. And the fact that he managed to, all right, he didn't win the possession battle, but to not win a possession battle and still have a lot more shots on target and essentially dominate Arsenal by not dominating them. What? With So he has, he has dominated them by, he let them play where, when he, he was comfortable where they wanted to play. It was that easy. If you look at where he was happy for, then for Spurs to lose the ball, it was never in a dangerous position. They did the analysis on TV. They did it on matchday. It wasn't like it's not like rocket science. like what they did. Like they just got it as quickly
0: as they could to before, uh, Kane and Son. So and if they lost it, they lost it. Like it's before not, you continue, take like that, the brain of Britain to work it out that analysis on match of the day two from Jermaine Genius was absolute. Bollocks. Yeah, I remember the Sky the Sports. Biggest one, yeah, I know load mean. of bollocks I've ever seen. Uh, Dan, do you agree with alavi before I go off on a rant about Mourinho <coughs> and that he deserves more credit than? And so team? one more thing. Sorry, you have, to,
3: you have to just before Dan, you have to just remember like how Arsenal were coming into this game on their run. So what was it? Four, four, Four wins in a draw or something. It's pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. And what Spurs were coming in at, which was 11 shots on target in the last five games and a poor result So to actually then set up that way, actually, that's what I thought took bravery and courage because he, set up, he still set up an encounter takeaway. away. He didn't go, do you know what? I'm going to please everyone and I'm going to go for it. And, you know, if I lose everyone, just say, at least he went for it. He still had the conviction to do what he thought was best. And you're right about Jenner's. It's it's such poor punditry when they just go, oh, that team played a a back three and that team played a back four and that's why they won. I I agree with you there for once. It's so poor when they just do that. Obviously, (laughs) that's just formations people play. It doesn't mean one's going to supersede the other. But I do think what he did took
0: a little bit of bottle. But hopefully DDL agrees as well. Dan, come in on this, right? Before I go off on a fucking rant, because I'm going to go off on a rant, about Jose Mourinho, do you think that Mourinho deserves more credit than what he's gotten for the way that Spurs played in the way they set up yesterday as a
1: Spurs man? I'd rather just watch a rant, just have the rant. It sounds much more fun. Um, I think he deserves a little bit of credit, but for slightly different reasons. Um, So I think what a saying there is risk reward, isn't it? You know, he, he takes a risk. He's, his reputation is being dragged through the mud lately, and rightly so because exactly. there's, been some, exactly. there's been some terrible performances. But the reason the reason he deserves a little bit of credit for 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 yesterday is one one we won the game, two we won against a good side, and two we found a way to win it as opposed to as opposed to dominating from start to finish. And the reason he deserves a little bit of credit for me is he didn't park the bus. So I know with Mourinho, we associate him with parking what? the bus. He, wait, listen to me. He there didn't, he bank, didn't. There's a difference there between and Boston, too, and what he did. There wasn't too, there wasn't two banks of four. Um Exactly. They tried to get forward when they tried to get forward at times. And what what happened during that game, whether by luck or judgment or showing respect to Arsenal who who started to play well after half time, particularly, is the style of Tottenham's play changed about three times throughout that game. So Tottenham were quite quick out of the blocks for the first 10, 15 minutes, then, then they had to sit back a little bit. But I think there was there was there was some very deliberate tactical adjustments that um, Mourinho had made to to that to the side, and he he's managed to pick the side up. And you could argue that you know a North London derby, that, you know the player should be up for it, but he's managed to pick the side up from a dreadful performance against Bournemouth, absolutely dreadful. We were dreadful against Everton. All right, won the game. So he has managed to pick the side up. He's, he's highlighted some weaknesses and he's, tar- he's targeted it. But I think overall, you know, I'm not waving a massive Mourinho flag after the game. You know, it's one game and it's a good result for Tottenham. But, you know, if you, you've got to look at it overall. He's trying to find a balance with the side and he's really, really struggling. You know, he's, it's, not, it's not hard to look at Tottenham and see that, you know, we're all over the place at times and Mourinho can't quite work out what, what the best thing to do is. But since, since the break... We've played six games, and I think um, Lacazette's thunderbolt was only the second game that we've conceded from open play. So he's just starting to—he's just starting to kind of settle in with what he wants from the side defensively, and it's taken him a long time. So I think he deserves a little bit of credit for winning, for winning what was quite a difficult football match. And realistically, you know, it was never an onslaught, was it? Even though it was, it, I thought Arsenal dominated the game. How would I say it? I would say Arsenal didn't deserve to lose, but they didn't do enough to win. Is probably how I would describe it. But, yeah. but I think
3: what I was trying to say about dominating is it's is where you let someone dominate. That's key. right? Yeah, uh, I think
1: you're taking risks, aren't you? you, you let that's let the up. risk and reward thing.
3: That's the whole this risk and reward thing this this is, I'm talking about. This
0: is the issue I've got, right? This is the issue I've got. If you allow somebody else to have possession of the ball, no matter whether it, whatever position of the pitch it is in, you do not have control of the game of football. You, you cannot control he, do, he a game a, control he doesn't want control he doesn't want control you cannot control a game when you don't have the ball you cannot stop someone doing something on the ball when you have like you, you you can't score without having the ball yeah Yeah. fact right you can't score without having the ball if you allow someone to have the ball thirty yards out and he shifts it to the right and pulls out an absolute banger into the top corner. What what has your allowing him to have possession done? Nothing. It's not helped you in any way. My point is here is that Jose Mourinho is getting credit for recognising that his team weren't good enough to go toe-to-toe, for sitting off, trying to be compact and taking advantage of a couple of unforced errors. That's what Jose Mourinho is getting praise for here. Now, I think that's, I think that's a, bit, I think it's a bit harsh, isn't it? No, it's not. It's not. Because, listen, right, I I fully accept that Arsenal didn't do enough with their possession. And that possession, yeah, it doesn't mean anything if you don't score, if you don't create chances. I get all of that. And I'm totally on board with that. But there is... What I can't get my head around is you cannot say that you can win games of football the way Mourinho won that game of football without a huge element of luck being involved. And therefore... It's not a moment of genius. It's not Mourinho being a genius. It's a combination of you're you're playing the the low-risk game and you've taken advantage of certain opportunities. Now, all I keep hearing from people is, is them saying, oh, but Spurs had more attempts on target, blah, blah, blah. In terms of overall shots in the game, Spurs had 15 and Arsenal had 13. Right? The difference is two. It's minimal. Therefore, the reason Spurs won the game is because when they got into those positions... They were more efficient. They were more efficient than Arsenal at both ends of the pitch. It's not because Mourinho outdone Arteta. Because if Ser Kolasinac doesn't play that pass and Spurs I don't, don't think anyone. I don't think anyone
1: said that though, have day. No one said he outdone Arteta.
0: That I've been reading, really, I've seen a lot of that today. I've been on other shows today where I've had it. Mourinho's out, out <coughs> thought Mikel Arteta, he's he's done him
1: tactically. He's stopped his team playing. Yeah, but this is just, yeah, but that's a poor reaction. Like because it's like Mourinho lost. Mourinho lost the game to Manchester United. Like right? just just before Christmas, it doesn't mean Solskjaer's a, a better manager. Or, you know, people read too much into individual results. So, on on the day when you factor everything in. And I don't want to be too harsh on Arsenal. I thought Arsenal were, you know, they were two very, very average performances from two sides who were not having a great season. That's kind of obvious. But there's a difference between parking a bus, which Mourinho does sometimes. And I think this performance is being associated with that a little bit unfairly. Because what Mourinho has done is he's looked at some Arsenal weaknesses. He's targeted them quite clearly. He's backed his team to score two goals Ultimately, and he's decided to try and shut Arsenal out. And if you look at chances, shots, all that sort of stuff, it's a nonsense stat shots because someone can shoot from forty yards and it flies in rose air and it registers as shots. So I'm not interested in that. But if you look at how many times Arsenal got in behind, it was once and a half maybe. You had the you had the Aubameyang miss hit, didn't you, in the first half, which which normally yeah. score. And you had the one where he got in behind and it was quite a rushed finish, a bit rash, and hit the crossbar. That was it. If you look at the times Tottenham got behind with Harry Kane looked like he was running through treacle and he still managed to get into the six-yard box three times. So, you know, he set up to try and win the game in the way that he felt he could and he pulled it off. So you've got, you, you, you can't just pass it off as luck. I think it was deliberate. And if you factor in, you've got a derby. So Spurs have won once at Arsenal in the league, this is, once in the last 11 years. Arsenal have won once at Spurs in the last 11 years. So you've got, home, you've got the home advantage, which has been taken away by no crowd. You've got the extra two days' worth of worth of rest and tiredness. And he set his team up in, cert, in a certain way to get a result. And he's got it.
3: Has, has Mourinho ever lost to an Arsenal side? Home? Not at home. Not, not, yeah. at, home. not, yet. not at home. He, no, he not
0: hasn't,
3: yet.
0: has he? Not at home. Not at right. home, no. No, but it, what my that point is, is here... As a stat, isn't it? What my point is here, guys, is, is not that... You know, if if that's the way that Mourinho wants to play, then fine. You know, that's the way Mourinho wants to play. We all know what he's about. We've all watched him long enough to understand what he's going to do in these type of fixtures. My point here is, is that I don't see why somebody who, in my opinion, plays a, a cowardly brand of football, deserves praise when his team managed to stutter over the line because of a number of factors that are not to do with him, do you, you, you get what I'm trying to say? It's not because Mourinho done what he done that Arsenal didn't create enough opportunities. It's because Arsenal weren't simply penetrating but it enough. Is it's not still, because of it's, him because he ad, he in, he
3: advocates that counter attacking style of football. I remember reading my four four two in like 2008 or something, and they interviewed him and they said, "What? Why don't you play like Pep does, where he?" He controls the possession of the game and, you know, he controls the ball. And, you know, that like you said earlier, Harry, that like, it gives you more chance to score. And he turned around and he went, No, that's stupid. You have to counterattack because that gives you the ammunition at that time when your opponent's unbalanced. So the quicker you don't get rid of the ball, either you need to you, you need to get the ball from one end of the pitch to another because you then have less chance of losing it. That's the way he views football. He views it as if I take six seconds to get from A to B, that means that there's less chance of someone interrupting me. Pep Guardiola takes 30 passes, passes to get from A to B. There's a higher percentage of chance of someone coming in and snatching the, the ball. That's just how he used football. Pro- the problem with Mourinho That's is it. sometimes
1: sometimes Mourinho doesn't fight, doesn't get the balance right. So mm. if, when Tottenham so like, and Arsenal playing in a very in, similar way... Inter Milan-Barcelona was probably a little bit...
3: I know he didn't have choice to a degree, but... That was actually parking the
1: bus. Yeah, but like, so when when Tottenham and Arsenal struggle to beat lesser sides, as they've done a few times this season, the first criticism we have of our sides is we're too slow. We don't get a ball. We don't get a ball forward quick enough. So you know, on the on the game yesterday against a side you you know are in far better form than, than Tottenham. For what it's worth, I think Arsenal will still finish above Tottenham this season. If I'm honest, um, based on what I've seen over the last six or seven weeks. Um, you know, and he's he's come up with a way of trying to win the game. He didn't try to draw the game, you know right? he 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 set up in a very deliberate way, and you, you that's 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 what football management is. If you lose and you don't haven't done anything wrong, you'll still get criticized and pillared. so conversely, you've got to give him a little bit of credit for pulling off his his game plan. whether there was a bit of luck involved, well, yeah, may, maybe there was a little bit of luck involved, but by the same token, you know he's seen his side hit the crossbar. He's seen two or three really good chances that his forwards haven't put away. And I think, you know, I I, I think just to pass it off as a lucky win and put it down to errors, I think he's a little bit, he's a little bit harsh. It's, it's a bit like, you know, Lacazette scored an absolutely stunning goal, but Aurier Aurier could have cleared that ball four times. You know, I'm not going to put it down as an error. You know, the guy smashed it in the top corner, but you know, more often than not, there's gonna be an error somewhere on the pitch. And if you look at it subjectively, I think if if that was Tottenham playing Chelsea, for example, and Arsenal weren't involved, and Tottenham lost the game in the fashion Arsenal did, <clears throat> I don't think we'd be accusing Chelsea of being lucky necessarily. It would have been more about how slow and wasteful and, and, and boring Tottenham were. I'm not suggesting Arsenal were deliberately boring, but the
0: no, but, yeah, the, but
1: that, the end product of what they were doing was it was a boring display by Arsenal. It was past but hardy, That's, past that's hardy, the point past though.
0: Hardy. That's the point, isn't it? You saw two contrasting styles go head to head. one team were efficient when it mattered and one <clears> team weren't. It's that simple. It's not for me. What what happened yesterday is not a Mourinho masterclass. And I've seen Arsenal fans today having a go at Mikel Arteta about it. Well, when was the last time Arsenal went to one of the traditional big six? and dominated the way that they dominated yesterday, controlled the game for large periods the way they did yesterday. That is progress. And my point is that there's people out there going, oh, well, look, Mourinho outdone him first time of asking. He hasn't outdone anybody. He's been extremely fortunate that certain circumstances have fallen his way. Let's go to some of the live comments, and then we'll come back and continue um, this debate. Let's see what we've got here. Rob Palmer says... Arsenal play the wrong formation for a team that is going to control possession, need to have a 10 in the side, had all the possession but still created very little. I agree that Arsenal, um, you know, had a lot of the ball, didn't make it count, didn't use it as well as they could have. But in terms of having the 10 in the side, the problem is that the reason we're playing with this formation that we're playing with is because we have to compensate for the defensive deficiencies that we have. And that means having an extra body in the defence and then you still need that midfield pivot of two, which has been Sobios and Xhaka. So I get that. And I'd like to see Arsenal play with a bit more freedom and a bit more creativity. But Mikel Arteta has been a lot more pragmatic <clears throat> than I thought he would be when he came into the job. And I think for that, he deserves some credit because he's been uh, adaptable. Let's see what else we got. Archangel says, Mourinho's teams always did the basics very well and relied on mistakes. But you are right, Harry. It becomes boring and should only be a building stage. Uh, Christopher says, I saw 10 to 15 long balls to Son or Kane, basically parking the bus and hoping something will happen up front. Um, sure, it's not da, 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 da. Let's see what else we've got here. Um, Abhishek Chowdhury says, we have incompetent players. Any manager would have a masterclass by that logic because our defenders are prone regardless of the opposition. Um, Big Gunner D says, it was a giveaway.
1: I mean, all right, let me put this question. Oh, I would say this though, I'd say Miss Mourinho, Mourinho is not, you know, he's not winning any popularity contests at Tottenham. That's what I was just going to ask. You. He's, he's continue... not winning any popularity contests. There's, there's no one on Spurs forums proclaiming this as a masterclass. I think under the circumstances, I was looking at things a bit more deeply than your average fan. Under the circumstances, I thought it was, it was a decent managerial performance and, and some of the risks he took paid off. I wouldn't say it was parking the bus. I've seen Mourinho part of the bus a couple of times recently. And, look horrendous i've seen him park the bus for entire halves of football matches um but i don't think i don't think it was it wasn't what i would describe as parking the bus i think it was a it was a cautious display i thought it was very deliberate but
3: But. i think he had conviction behind his tactics that he would have got criticized for it was it was more more than than... if he had if he had (sighs) gone out tried to win the game and perhaps even drawn or you know but that's what i'm saying that he, the, the one thing you can't take away from him is that he doesn't bow down to pressure of what people think about him. And he what's just that, thinks, this is how I want to win the last, game. In the last couple of well, jobs, he's had, what's that well, he, he's Well, ba- his bank account's looking OK. He's got a few trophies, so he's doing all right. It, it, and, um, and, and do you know what? And, and that game was crucial, right? Because on Wednesday, if I remember rightly, one one of the, these teams has got to go to Liverpool, and the other's got to play maybe Newcastle and I would not want to be on on you know the loser of that game and then now I have to go and play Liverpool so that North all yeah, this is,
0: is big this is where no, but this is where you're you're looking at it from an outside perspective rather than understanding as as Arsenal fans where we're coming from I don't give a shit what we do results wise between now and the end of the season I haven't honestly yeah, given building block, yeah. I haven't honestly given a shit from this from the beginning of the restart for me this is about Mikel Arteta implementing what he wants to do. Mourinho's style... Yeah, and if he loses a few games along the way, then... Exactly, exactly. Mourinho's style is to play the way that Mourinho plays. Arteta clearly wants Arsenal in the longer term to dominate games by having the ball. He believes that's the right way to play. He believes that's the most, uh, you know, the the most successful way or the way he's going to be most successful in the longer term. And he's trying to embed that. I I just... and, And maybe my anger towards this debate is is maybe slightly misplaced because, you know, you two are actually talking a bit of sense, unlike some other Spurs fans that I've come across um, today on on various other bits and pieces where I've been told that Arteta's got it wrong and that Mourinho's out-thought him and he's out-done him. But but that's just simply not the case. Everything with with Mourinho is exacerbated, yeah? So if he's defensive, then
3: he parked the bus. If he did quite well, then it's a masterclass. Actually, he did quite well, and he play, he sometimes he does pretty well, and sometimes he plays quite defensive football. But he has an extreme personality, which essentially <laughs> means that what he does seems more extreme than it really, really is. That that's that's just part of his character. It's the same.
1: It's the same as if like if you no if yet. you look at if you look at Wenger, when he was on his way out, he would do something minor that everyone would have their knife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah like a sub, like and a they'd sub. Stick in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you see Mourinho play a game where he allows the team to have possession because he feels pretty safe, you know, it, it's, it's, it's amplified. I think you take Arteta, the guys just lost the game. So there will be fans, modern fans will look at Arteta and they'll want to criticise him. If you've lost the game, nine times out of ten, there's something you could have done better. So if we're looking at the formation Arteta starts with, starts with makes sense. I would have started, I would have started um, uh, Sacco. If I'm honest, I think he's been one of Arsenal's informed players. I don't like Pepe at all. Not a fan. Watched him play several times. I don't see what he does. I can see what he's capable of doing, but I don't see what he does. And they're two very, very different things. So Arteta decides he wants to give him some game time and get him ready for next year. That's fine. But I was really disappointed that we're watching a game where Arsenal are taking control in the second half. half. They've been on top for the last 15 minutes of the first half. They've got two shocking fullbacks, both in the book. And I didn't see a single run. I didn't see a single ball behind one of those fullbacks in that second half to get Pepe with his pace, which, let's be fair, that's pretty much all he has got, apart from, you know, he can bend a shot with a left foot and one every 10 whips. Oh, can we have and some have comments been... on Pepe on this channel while we're here? You yeah, have a lot of oh, Arsenal God, fans I mean, like him. And geez. Arsenal fans, Arsenal fans really? like to have a fanboy. They like to have a fanboy, and it will be God. Pepe just for a little while. But it's not the point. The point is. I didn't see, I didn't see any, I didn't see any intent by Arteta to exploit Tottenham's weaknesses in the way that Mourinho exploited Arsenal's, and that's what I think the difference was on the day. Now, yeah, but he might have that, got lucky. Yeah, he might have got away with. It.
0: But is that not because Mikel Arteta is a, a very different type of manager to Jose Mourinho in the sense that Mikel Arteta is very much one of those guys who has his philosophy, has his style knows exactly what he wants, whereas Jose Mourinho is a man in decline who is simply looking to do whatever it takes here and there to get the odd result to ease the pressure off of him. Mourinho is not, as you said earlier on, he's not loved by the Spurs fans. He's not particularly rated by a lot of the Spurs fans. So he's taken a desperate measure, in my opinion, to try and get a result in a game that he knows will buy him some time with the fans. And a North London derby does that and Mourinho is willing to, you know, sacrifice on his style and sacrifice on Spurs playing the I, the brand of football that their fans so want to see
1: to try and help himself. I partly I partly agree and I partly, I partly disagree. So I agree that he would have done all that it takes in that game to buy some time because he needs some time. He needs to convince the fans and the chairman to give him some money to spend in the summer. And if he loses four of his last five games, for example, then you know, the chairman will pull the trigger and he'll be looking for another job. And obviously he's at that stage in his career. He's managed a lot of clubs and another job is going to be hard to find. And Mikel Arteta, he'll get another job next week. They're at different stages in their career. I disagree with the sacrificing style because earlier in this conversation, you've said he's always played that way. So he's not sacrificing the style. That is his style. I didn't
0: say sacrificing his style. I said sacrificing the style that the Tottenham fans want to see. Just like he did with Man United, but that only takes you so far, doesn't it? He did it with United. He went into Give a it. club uh, renowned for playing good that, quality, intense, As a
1: Tottenham fan, as a Tottenham but,
3: fan, but DDL,
0: do our Spurs fans
3: that that bothered? It's not like we're not talking about. It depends. No. It depends. Would you like, rather just so, not win? If someone so, says to you, "Win the Champions League ugly," or finish second beautifully, we're not talking about Barca here. Like,
1: no, I think um, I think. As a, Tot- as a Tottenham fan, I I pay to go. I like to be entertained. I've seen some games over the last week, which fortunately I've been banned from the stadium. So I've, I've been able to watch them and then turn the telly off. And they've been boring. Do I want to see that forever? No. Everyone says to me, Mourinho, he, he lost three years at a club. Well, is two seasons or one and a half seasons, is it really that hard to endure if we're going to win football matches? The problem is we haven't been winning football matches. That's 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 the problem. A game like yesterday, you know, and making the comparison on the day between Arteta and Mourinho, you can play whatever style you want, and the fans will the fans will let you know they're not happy. And sooner or later, the chairman and Tottenham chairman is trigger happy. Mourinho, um, Pocatino is the only manager who's lasted more than three seasons at Tottenham for I don't know twenty years. So <clears throat> you have you have to target the other team's weaknesses, especially when you're playing away from home. Typically, as, a, as an unwritten principle, if you're a good side, you set up how you want at home, how you choose. And then, you know, if you're away from home, you, you, you look for scraps. OK, Mourinho chooses to play like the away side everywhere because that's what he wants to do. That's that's how he likes to play football. He likes to play like the away team and exploit other teams' weaknesses in every single game. Arteta yesterday, for me, despite doing really well with Arsenal since taking over, despite doing particularly well in the last few weeks, and I've been particularly impressed with the way he got off to a really bad start after the lockdown and he managed to pick the team back up and get a good runner. That's, that's difficult to do. You look at a lot of clubs after lockdown, their form has gone one way, straight down, because they realise they can't challenge anymore. The players are buying into, buying into what Arteta's got to do. But he's young in his career. And if you, you know, I'm no better football manager than Mikel Arteta is, but anyone watching on a sofa would look at that game and say, attack the fullbacks, attack the fullbacks. Attack the fullbacks and you've got sixty percent of the ball to do it, and that's where he let him. That's where he let himself down for me. I, I don't think. I, I think there are times where you have to put your philosophy to one side and go and win the football match. And Arteta could have won that football match yesterday. I
0: don't know. It's, it's an interesting point, and there's people in the the live comments agreeing with you um, in regards to the fallback. So I'm not going to say you're wrong. I I, I, don't, I don't think it's always as simple as that. I don't think it's you know when you're playing in a certain way and it's very clear that. The system we're playing in at the moment allows Aubameyang to drift in field. If your fullbacks do bomb on, it means you're leaving spaces behind you. There's so many more sort of ins and outs of it than that. Let's go back to some of the comments before (coughs) we um, continue. Feng Sport says, we did not dominate. I'm sorry, Mourinho let us keep the ball. Tottenham were in control. This is proven by the fact we had far fewer shots than them and how he was sitting down showing he had a plan. Right, let me uh, tell you what is a fact, Mr. Feng Sports. They had two more shots than us in the game. That is a fact. So if we're talking about facts, we didn't have far fewer shots than them. So thank you for your comment, but it's completely wrong because the facts say otherwise. I'm going to pull out yeah, my okay, round. No, 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 you love facts, don't you? You love it. You know, you know on, that's Harry's favourite moment. You know, hold that's on, Harry's
3: favourite moment. Let's we, talk about above, like, any Arsenal win. The fact. Remember, he came around my house with his papers. Can I just say before we were the person who put, <coughs> sent the first comment? Rob uh, Palme's kids due next week. For So, for us three who have kids. Good luck,
0: mate. Yeah, but, good luck, mate. All the best. Yeah,
3: then, uh, good luck, Lila. Like, yeah, definitely all the best. He's listened right from the start. So, fair play, man. It's his first born. So, good luck good,
0: to him. Good uh, luck, man. Yeah. And uh, make sure you stay at the head side. Take it from me. Don't go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go anywhere. Uh, Big hello to Lee Chappie. Get some sleep now.
3: Get some sleep (laughs) now. Exactly.
0: Big hello to Lee Chappie. How you doing, mate? Thank you for tuning in. Um, Check out Lee Chappie's uh, Leicester City channel as well. Uh, Lots of great content on there. Russ says, I'm not bothered about losing to Spurs as much as I am to losing to Jose. We simply cannot beat him on his turf. Um, Agreed. Um, Stan, the man says gifting a goal when you're one nil up in a derby match is shit. Uh agreed. Um, Omar says Arteta isn't good enough in my opinion out of his depth. It's a bit harsh, Omar. I think mean, <laughs> I think
1: you've been harsh. What are you on me. about I think, I think I think I think you know you may well be proved to be correct, but I, I think when you've you got when, a a dust, chance, man. when the dust when the dust has settled you, you might think you've been a bit harsh there. Yeah. Agreed.
0: Uh <laughs> what else have we got here? Uh Feng Sports has come back with another one. Why is Harry saying he doesn't care what happened this season? Arteta has given away 15 points from winning positions this season. Those 15 points would make us third right now. Has Mikel Arteta I think, given, for, forgive I me what on, I'm Harry. saying,
3: but what you're saying. Sorry, gone, on, gone. On.
0: Has Mikel Arteta given away 15 points this season, or has David Lewis has uh, scored around has Granit Xhaka at times. Have these players given away the points? How can you say that Mikel Arteta has given away 15 points? It, it I think what you're mind. saying is
3: sometimes it's good, to, it's good to try things right. So if you would rather finish seventh and he actually tried tried a couple of formations here, tried a couple of formations there, looked at what worked, looked at what didn't work and got his house in order for next season, then finished sixth to try and please the fans but he hasn't learned quite as much. And in a, a lot of the time, that is the trade-off you have in football. So what you call it, like, in, in the world of, like, finance, or you just call it a sunk cost. Like, you just – you, you forego it. Like, you just go, do you know what? It's a write-off. Like, I'm just going to do it. I'll experiment. And the end result is – warrants me being able to take the risk. So the, finishing seventh and sixth, it, there's not much between them. But what you could learn taking a few risks in games may actually prove – Huge next season, but I think that's what you're trying to say. As a, a when,
0: when, fan. when when Unai Emory was sacked, which was too late, in my opinion. When Unai Emory was sacked, I think everybody with a sensible mindset understood that the rest of the season was going to be about getting someone in and giving them the time to improve the team and steadying the ship. Steadying the ship was the key. And that is why, if you guys remember at the time, we recorded a a debate, didn't we, the three of us, about Ancelotti and Arteta. And I went with Ancelotti as my choice because I felt like we had sunken so deep that we needed someone with that experience, with that power, with that presence to come in and lift us up. And nobody thought that Mikel Arteta had any authority about him. He had anything about him. He's coming. He's got plenty of authority about him because look what he's done with Matteo Guendouzi. Look what he's done uh, with regards to the Mesut Ozil thing. You know, people are saying it's a back injury. You know, that's the official word, but, you know, it's been going on a while now. I'm sure there's more to that. Mikel Arteta has shown he's got balls, has shown that he cares, has shown that he believes in his own ability as a coach. And we lost one game. In 2020, up until that Manchester City game in the Premier League, and like it, it's, and then we lose a couple of games, and it was meltdown, and and then we lose again at Spurs, and it's meltdown again. He's out of his depth. He's not good enough. Blah blah blah. Well, let me tell you lot something. He's inherited a far shitter team than the one that Unai Emery inherited from Arsene Wenger, and that is a fact. When you look at the players that we've lost in that period of time, we've lost Aaron Ramsey. Who was key to Arsenal? Gone out the door. We've lost Lauren Koscielny, who you would argue was better than any of the centre backs we've got playing for us at the moment. He's inherited a pile of shit. He inherited a load of discontent, a load of players not interested, and a load of players full of individual errors. And he's done a a, a, a good job up until now. And mm. we we've gone against. We've gone to Wolves. We've won. We've, gone, we've played against Leicester, which was, you know, Wolves and Leicester. We come back after the break. We had those two games, City and Brighton. We lost. Then we picked up a couple of results. Southampton, Norwich, Sheffield United in the Cup. And then we come, acro- then we come across Wolves away, which was the first real test, wasn't it? After the sort of bounce back. He goes to Molyneux. He wins. Comes out of Molyneux. Plays against Leicester City. Another test. A team in the Champions League positions. He gets a draw. Unlucky probably not to take all three points. And Arsenal dominated that game for at least one half. They go to Spurs. In my opinion, they dominate the game for 60 minutes. So we're seeing progress here. But if anybody thought that this progress was going to come without bumps in the road, without going off the rails from time to time, they're, they're deluded. What are you watching? What 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 are you expecting? I I just don't get it. And there's a comment here saying from Paul Morris. He says, Harry's pissed. Chill, dude. That's Jose. I am pissed because... The, the, the nature of this fan base is, quite frankly, fucking embarrassing. It is embarrassing that we lose a game and it's get the manager out, get the manager out. It is it's fucking embarrassing, especially when there is clear evidence that we are progressing. Maybe it's slowly, maybe it's not fast enough for your tastes, you, but it's it's clear there is some
1: progress. No one's calling
3: for him to go out. Are people yes, calling
1: you to leave? You know. bit, do you want to inter, interrupt the pod just to say Southampton have equalised in the ninety seventh minute? Yeah,
3: yeah. I, 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 um, I was just told before not to mention the game, but well done. That <laughs> that's why I literally had my like, mouth open for that like,
1: last
3: five minutes. If you don't want to know, if you don't want to know <laughs> Harry score, look, at, yeah, Harry it out. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was such a scruffy are not, goal as well. But the thing are you not Harry? Does the, the, the crowd not, pressure not
1: make it easier for him? Sorry. God. No, I was going to say. I was going to say to say, Harry, are you not? I'm not saying worried or concerned because, like you say, and I'm the same with Mourinho. I think everyone deserves a transfer window and a full season. Mm. Are you not? We've seen people play possession football before, yeah. Um, Andre Villas-Boas did it at Tottenham. He, he he worked on the premise that we'll have we'll have lots of possession, and you know, then we're more likely to score. Okay, he had a good first season and it all fell apart. Fine. But are you not a little bit worried that there's a theme in Arsenal games away from home where Arsenal don't have that many shots, as in proper shots? And I'm not talking about we'll smash one from 30 yards and it might fly in the top corner once every 10. Yeah, nice when they go in. But there is a theme in Arsenal games away from home where they're not really getting in behind or really testing goalkeepers. Yeah, agreed. and I tell you what, I tell you why. Because for me, it's like our, our Tottenham or Arsenal, who are in a similar boat now. Okay, our, our Tottenham were obviously ahead of Arsenal for about three seasons after twenty-five seasons of not even being in the same league. Now I'd say they're in a very, very similar place. With the one difference is Arsenal seem to have players buying into the manager, and Tottenham not necessarily. So the thing with Arsenal and Tottenham, as clubs now. If they try and play possession football. What on what planet does anyone think that Arsenal or Tottenham are gonna to play possession football and be able to stack up to the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City? So just playing possession football isn't gonna be enough, is it? No, and that's it's, the bit that would concern I me. How, I
3: don't think it matters how you play about I don't think it matters how you play against those teams though. Those ones oh, but the, way you, the way you play with those teams, I think, is, is, I think you they're right to, off.
0: You mix it up though, don't you? You, you try and yeah, turn but, it into a thing. Yeah, you don't 20, have a yeah, but we've we've seen plenty of games under Mikel Arteta where we've got a result and we haven't dominated possession. And people have said, oh my God, this is... We didn't expect Arteta to come here and do this. We thought he was going to come and try and be Pep 2.0. So th- we have seen a bit of that as well. But what I'm saying is, in the longer term, I'm sure that his goal will be to, where possible, mm. dominate games and control possession. And we have seen in the last couple of games that even though... We haven't got the results necessarily that we've wanted. We've been closer to doing that than we have been for years, so that signifies progress to me. And 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 people will say uh, Melvin says in the comments because he picks players that have mistakes in their DNA. He can only select from the players that are at the football club. <laughs> Give him a you transfer it, market. <laughs> it's it's,
3: it's, it's all,
0: you know everybody says oh you know. Well, these players are no good. They're done. They're done. They are done. But what else does he have to select from? We don't have the finances to go out this summer and buy 10 players and kick out 10 players. It's not going to happen. It's going to be a gradual build. And, and that gradual build is going to mean that some of these players that have shown over the last few years that they're not good enough to, to be In the Arsenal side are going to have to play from time to time and they are going to cost us points along the road. But how you can point the finger at Mikel Arteta for what Serka done, for example, yesterday is beyond me. If Pablo Maurice fit, Serka doesn't play. It's that simple. It is that simple. But he has played because he's left footed. He wants a left footed centre back. Centre back. That's clear. Right. And, and, And he's played because somebody else is unavailable. And he's been actually decent
1: in the last few weeks. He's just made one mistake. No, I just think, though, throughout this season, Arsenal have struggled to play out the back, play from the back, because those players, like the last, I missed his name, was it? Marvin? Mervin? That's not... an that Melvin. Oh, Melvin. Right. Melvin, sorry, mate. Yeah, so, you know, throughout the season, Arsenal have made mistakes playing out the back. There's been count, countless goals given away at, Shitty teams playing out the back. Watford was my favourite for no reason at all. Two 0 no up, start playing from out the back. Goal. Next game, playing out the back. Goal. So, Arteta is insisting on playing out the back with these players. I'm fine with that, but the fans need to understand. You need to you need to understand what he's trying to do. What he's trying to say is, I'm going to carry on playing out the back. If he can't replace those players, then I've got an issue because then he's going to have to do something different.
3: Those players, also, does it change as well? So, Dan, does it change as well? So, Harry's saying, well, Harry's saying, and I agree that he, you know, I was a fan of Arteta, and I said, oh, he's, you know, he's playing at the back, he's able to stand up to Gunduzi and all these other players. Or maybe Arsenal's not the best example because the fans don't make any noise, but let's just say you have 60,000 in there. Does that make a difference? So, do they start getting on the the defences back when they start to play at the back, and, and, and maybe Arteta thinks, I don't want this abuse. or you know, is Gunduzi? You know, do they start cheering him, and 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 that makes Arteta think? Do you know what? Maybe I should, maybe I should, shouldn't have um, gone down harshly on him. So, is he having a bit of an easy ride because there's no crowd? Does that make a little bit of a difference?
2: Um,
0: in some ways it does. In some ways it does. But what, because... Do you remember what Dan said a few weeks ago, which made me
3: think about? a plague is is 25 yards from goal. I never thought of it like that. That player's 25 goals and, and the whole crowd goes shoot. I say, wait a minute. Right? That must actually have a time. I never thought of it. Yeah, it's of so simple. It does. That I've must have a tiny time. Tiny- yeah, so it's the same with playing out the back. It's the same with selecting certain players. It's the same with thinking, am I going to sub this player? Is the whole 60,000, are 60,000 people going to boot me?
1: So let's no, test him when it when there's a crowd there There's no well, even Even, that, even that, the that most cultured, even the most cultured footballer such as myself, right, there's no one who's ever... It's a fact. Uh, there's no one who's <laughs> ever been to a ground and not shouted this. Fucking get rid of it. Every single one of us. And I used to pass mm. the ball in my sleep. I, I'd never hoofed a fucking ball anyway. <laughs> but I'll have you seen it. Was, well, you, know, you, you, never, you never
3: moved. I mean, it
1: <laughs> Didn't need to. Didn't need to move. You can see it now. I'm putting on a bit of sausage. Um, but the, the, the point is, you know, there are certain games where... Football fans aren't stupid, and if they're 60,000, you'll get 20,000 ones who know what they're talking about. And collectively, that's a noise. And People will shout and scream, and they will shout, Get rid I of think it. That's and generous. last
3: night,
1: it is a bit, but you know <laughs> what I mean? It's awesome, that yeah. that does make it that does make a difference. It makes a massive difference as to the choices players make. It, it does make a massive difference,
0: and it does. I've said that it's probably easier to play out from the back when you don't have that. Anxiety that you get from the crowd when they're like, <gasps> you know, every time the ball seems any anytime someone gets, close yeah, to yeah, you, there's I, that thing I, like John Stones telling everyone to calm yeah, down, like,
3: for like but, stuff like that, yeah.
0: But ultimately, Arsenal haven't overdone that under Mikel Arteta, not anywhere near as no. much as they used to do it under Unai Emery. And it's happened even less since Emiliano Martinez has come into the goal because he doesn't take the risks that Bern Leno takes, he doesn't try and chip it out to the left back over the strikers. And he doesn't do that, Martinez. He's a lot more, yes, his distribution is decent and he does pick out sort of the wing backs when they bomb on that little bit further forward, but he doesn't take anywhere near as many risks. And I can't sit here hand on heart and say that I think Arsenal are, are really, really overplaying at the back at the moment. I don't think that's the issue. I think with, with what happened yesterday with Ser Kalasinac, I think when you play with a back three, you're almost, I, I guess you, you find yourself in a position where you have a lot more of the ball in and amongst your back three than you would if you had a back two at centre-back because you can spread wide, you can cover the entire width of the pitch and you can create those angles and, you know, it, it it's a lot easier to retain possession there. Add to that the fact that Spurs, as you said, Dan, were pretty happy to allow Arsenal to do that, you know, and then, and then, but at some point, you have to then take that risk. You, you have to do something to progress the ball into the midfield. It can't always be a long ball over the top, and those are where that's where the risks come in. And then, if you get caught, you're sort of backs against the wall and you're chasing back. But I don't, I don't necessarily look at Mikel Arteta's side and say they do that too often or they take too many risks. I don't think that's the case. What What happened to Arsenal yesterday with Ser Lacinaj? Should have been a routine pass back to David Lewis or down the flank, and uh, uh, that's not a fault of the way we're playing, that's just an individual mistake.
3: Yeah, no, I, agree. Oh, I, th- I agree? think Unai Emory was. No, no, I think Unai Emery was. He played out the back. I don't actually think it was his start, I just don't think he's a smart enough manager to know what else to do. What's think? Arteta's got a bit more. A bit more about him. The way people are talking is is if as if Keeper passed it to Louise Louise rolled think, it along with I six Arte- Arte- to and actually tried to do like flick it over Harry Kane. Like, that's not quite what happened, is it?
1: I think Arteta is I think he, he's had a good start he's had a good start to his Arsenal career. Um, he started to win mm-hmm. games away from home, albeit albeit away from home with no crowd is a slightly easier proposition, but he still he still won the games. I I think he's doing well, but I think whilst he's very admirable to be stubborn and stick to a philosophy, I think he's far too young a manager to religiously do that at this point. I think you need to have a little bit... You need to get a bit of credit in the bank. And I think yesterday, I would like to think next season in the same position, Arteta would do something different around about 60 minutes with all the ball he's got. Do you
3: think there's there's a little bit of him down that psychologically... Actually, doesn't want to be called Pep Guardiola too, because that must weigh in on him. Like he's human, right? He must think to himself, "Do you know what? I don't actually want people to think I'm just a carbon copy of this this guy." So I bet well, he, you need, that's you know, reverse psychology plays a. I know. I know you really like Pep, so he needs to
1: start. <laughs> he needs to stop dressing like him for a start, then, doesn't he? You know, maybe
2: just.
0: <laughs> Barring Carlo Ancelotti, he's the coolest manager in the Premier League in terms of his fashion sense. Oh, Carlo's
3: me. in another Carlos in another Ca- world. Carlos
0: the Don. That's so why cool that's why that's why
3: he doesn't mind losing games. He's out well I look like
0: this. <laughs> 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 Guys, it's been a fantastic debate. Um, thank you to everyone that's joined us as well in the live comments section. Uh, It's been great having your input, even if I don't agree with all of it and you don't all agree with me, but that's fine. That's what debate is all about. Um, So thank you for all your contributions. My thank you uh, to Dan De Luca and Simon Alavi. We've somehow gone past the hour mark. I don't know how that's happened. Um, But yeah, time flies when you're having fun, don't it, gents? Uh, So that brings us to another, to the end, sorry, of another edition of The Social Club. It's been an exhausting day. Lots of fallout from the North London derby. You can check out The full review of the Derby, um, if you wish, uh, by uh, scrolling back on our channel. It's also available in podcast format, too. Um, uh, Let's see. Feng Sports says, Harry, you need to bring me on to express my opinion. Mate, we'll be doing a fans phone-in show, uh, hopefully, towards the end of the week. So stay tuned to our uh, Twitter, Twitter page. Sorry. Uh, I can't even talk. It's so late. I'm tired. I'm just gone. I'm done. I'm emotionally drained, Um, Mm. but stay tuned to our Twitter feed and you'll be able to see when that's happening. And you're more than welcome to call into the show. We'll be taking all your views, um, can't promise I won't challenge them, but I'd love to hear them. So do get involved in that as well. If you haven't already, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, check out our sponsors, tvsportsblog.com. Our thanks uh, to John Wright and the team over there for their kind sponsorship. Uh, We really, really do appreciate it. And we'll be back with another podcast tomorrow at some point. Um, So stay tuned for that. Make sure you've got your notifications on. And until then, take care. Ciao.